Hello, Dr. Shushma Singh. On this podcast, we take chapter 7, Security in the Contemporary World. We start lecture with the topic, Non-Traditional Notions. Non-traditional notions of security go beyond military threats to include a wild range of threats and dangers affecting the conditions of human existence. They begin by questioning the traditional referent of security. In doing so, they also question the other three elements of security. What is being secured, from what kind of threats and approach to security. When we say referent, we mean security for who? In the traditional security conception, the referent is the state with its territory and governing institutions. In the non-traditional conceptions, the referent is expanded. When we ask security for who, proponent of non-traditional security reply, not just the state but also individuals or communities or indeed all of them humankind non-traditional views of security have been called human security or global security now let us discuss human security human security is about the protection of people more than the protection of state Human security and the state security should be and often are the same thing. But security state do not automatically mean secure problem. From the secure people. Protecting citizens from the foreign attack may be a necessary condition for the security of the individuals. But it is certainly not a sufficient one. Indeed, during the last 100 years, more people have been killed by their own governments than by the foreign armies. All proponents of human security agree that its primary goal is the protection of the individuals. However, there are differences about precisely what threats individuals should be protected from. Proponents of the narrow concept of human security focus on violent threats to individuals or as former UN General Secretary Kofi Annan puts it. The protection of the communities and the individuals from the internal violence. Proponents of the broad concept of human security argue that the threat agenda should be include hunger, disease and natural disaster because these kill far more people than war, genocides and terrorism combined. Human security policy, they argue, should protect people from these threats as well as from violence. In its broadest formula formulation, the human security agenda also encompasses economic security and threats to human dignity. Put differently, the 
protest formulation stresses what has been called freedom from want and freedom from fear respectively the idea of glo- global security emerged in 1990s in response to the global nature of threats such as global warming international terrorism and health epidemics like aids and bird flu and so on no country can resolve these problems alone and in some situations one country may have to disproportionately bear the brunt of the global problem such as environmental degradation for example due to the global warming a sea level rise to 1.5 to 2 meters would flood 20% of bangladesh inundate most the of the maldives and threaten nearly half the population of the thailand since these problems are global in nature international cooperation is vital even though it is difficult to achieve now let us discuss new sources of threats the non traditional conceptions both human security and global security focus on the changing nature of threats to security we will discuss some of the threats in the section below the first is terrorism terrorism refers to the political violence that targets civilians deliberately and dis- indiscriminately international terrorism involves the citizens or territory of most than one nation country terrorist groups seek to change a political context or condition that they do not like by force or threat of force civilians targets are usually chosen to terrorize the public and to use the unhappiness of the public as a weapon against national governments or other parties in conflict the classic cases of terrorism involving hijacking planes or planting bombs in trains cafes markets and other crowded places since 11 september 2001 when terrorist attacked the world trade center in america other governments and public have paid more attention to terrorism though terrorism itself is not new in the past most of the terror attacks have occurred in the middle east europe latin america and south asia the next point of discussion is human rights human rights have come to be classified into three types the first type is political rights such as freedom of speech and assembly the second type is economic and social rights the third type is the rights of colonized people or ethnic and indigenous minorities while there is a broad agreement on this classification there is no agreement on which set of rights should be considered as universal human rights nor 
what the international community should do when rights are being violated. Since the 1990s developments such as Iraq's invasion of Kuwait, the genocide of Rwanda and the Indonesian military's killing of people in East Timor have led to the debate on whether or not the UN should intervene to stop human rights abuses. There are those who argue that UN Charter empowers the international community to take up arms in defense of human rights. Others argue that national interests of the powerful states will determine which instances of human rights violates the UN will act upon. The next point is global poverty. Global poverty is another source of insecurity. World population now at 650 crore will reach 700 to 800 crore within 25 years and may eventually level out to 900 to 1000 crore currently. Half of the world's population growth occurs in just six countries, India, China, Pakistan, Nigeria, Bangladesh and Indonesia. Among the world's poorest countries, population is expected to triple in next 50 years, whereas many rich countries will see population shrinking in that period. High capita income and low population growth make rich states or rich social groups get richer, whereas low income and high population growth reinforces each others to make poor states and poor groups get poorer. Globally, this disparity contributes to the gap between the northern and southern countries of the world. Within the south, disparities have also sharpened as a few countries have managed to slow down population growth and raise income while others have failed to do so. For example, most of the world's armed conflict now take place in Sub-Saharan Africa, which is also the poorest region of the world. At the turn of the 21st century, more people were being killed in wars in this region than in rest of the world combined. Poverty in the south has also led to large-scale migration to seek a better life, especially better economic opportunities in the north. This has created international political frictions, international law and norms make a distinction between the migrants, those who voluntarily leave their home countries and the refugees, those who flee from war, natural disaster or political prosecution. States are generally supposed to accept refugees, but they do not have to accept migrants. While refugees leave their country of origin, people who have fled their homes but remain within national borders are called internally displaced people. 
Kashmiri Pandits that fled the violence in the Kashmir Valley in the early 1990s are an example of an internally displaced community. The world refugee map tallies almost perfectly with the world conflicts map because wars and armed conflicts in the south have generated millions of refugees seeking safe haven. From 1990s to 1995, 70 states were involved in 93 wars which killed about 55 lakh people. As a result, individuals and families and at times whole communities have been forced to migrate because of generalized fear of violence or due to the destruction of livelihood, identities and living environments. At look, a correlation between the wars and the refugee migrants shows that in 1990s all but three of the 60 refugee flows coincided with an internal armed conflicts. Here we come to end of the lecture. Thanks for listening.